0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tony Meyer. For more information on other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. Um, my name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. And um, I've had a lot of comments this morning on my glasses. So I don't normally wear glasses. See, it's me. Uh, I have a little bit of astigmatism in one eye, so at night and stuff, it gets a little fuzzy. I usually wear them, so just so you know, that's why I'm wearing my glasses today. It's a little fuzzy. It reminded me of a time I, of the first time I wore them in public, was about two years ago, and we were at a Valentine's banquet. And we're sitting around this table with all these people that I know, and we're just talking about certain things. And one of the guys at the table who I have met with for coffee, he's been to my office, all these things. He, he looks at me and goes, so Tony, what do you do? And I was the worship pastor. I was in front of them every single week. And I thought, it was like one of those Clark Kent Superman moments. And I said, well, it's me, Tony. I, I work here. This is what I do. I work here. So it's me, guys. Don't worry. In case you thought I was someone else. We've started this series. Last week, Pastor Drew started a series called You Have My Attention. And... um. It's been a series over the, the starting last week, over four weeks, um, to really dive in and explore this area of worship. And our intention, our desire, is to really define and bring context to worship and what it means. It's important to know why we do what we do. Because as a people, it's easy for us to just fall into going through the motions and to just giving lip service to God, acknowledging Him with, with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. So it's important to every once in a while examine why we do what we do, to ask ourselves the difficult questions. Kids are really good at asking difficult questions, aren't they? Um, Especially when it's bedtime. So all of a sudden at bedtime, kids, they are the most thirsty that they've ever been in their whole life. And they're going to starve to death if they don't have a cookie right then, right? And all of a sudden they go into existential crisis um, in those moments. My daughter, when she was three, she's five now, when she was three, my wife taught her the word parched when you're thirsty. And so it's kind of funny to hear a three-year-old say, I'm parched. I'm parched, Dad. But at bedtime when she's wanting to, she's whining, she goes, Dad, I'm so parched. (laughs) I'm so parched. It's just funny. Um, But there was one night where Evie to get done praying, and she says, Dad, where's heaven? And I know part of me knows that her motives are not pure completely in this moment that she's really just trying to put off bedtime as long as possible but i also know as a parent that you never pass up an opportunity to talk to them about the things of lord so she asked me this question dad where's heaven And i said well and she's four years old at this time i said well um it's kind of outside time and space you know like we have our house and we live in iowa and Iowa's in the united states and that's part of the earth and outside the earth is the planets." And space and the and the universe—it's like outside of the universe, and that's where God the Father sits on a throne, and Jesus sits at the right hand. And the Bible says that that Jesus is praying for us. Isn't that cool? And she says, "And I—this is not made up. This is a completely true story. My wife can vouch for me." She said, "I thought there was only one God," and I said, "Well, yeah, there is. There's God the Father, and there's God the Son, and they're the same and yet unique." You know, it's difficult to explain the Trinity to a four-year-old, let alone an adult. Um, I said, let's, let's talk about more about heaven. <laughs> heaven is a place where uh, there's not going to be any more crying. There's not going to be uh, any more pain. Man, heaven's going to be this place where you don't make any bad choices. And she says, well, wasn't there one guy that made a bad choice in heaven? I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, that guy that's really got fire all around him and he's really mean. I was like, oh. The devil, yeah. Well, he did make a bad choice in heaven, but the Bible says that there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth, and in the new heaven, there's not gonna be any more of that stuff. And one day, you're gonna give your heart to Jesus, and you're gonna to get to go to heaven because Jesus lives in your heart. And she said, well, I thought you said that Jesus lives in heaven. And I'm serious, I'm just like dying. I'm like, all right, so there's a third guy. It's the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so Jesus, he, he, he came to earth, he lived a perfect life, and he died for our sins, and then he rose to the grave, and then he went to heaven, he sent Holy Spirit, now Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and also, so, so to change us from the inside out, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon us, so that we can do great miracles on this earth, isn't that amazing? And she goes, yeah, hey dad, look, my hand makes a rainbow. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. Those are all really good questions, right? And although my answers were crafted for a four-year-old, there are much better answers for all of those questions if you have those questions. But it's important to examine from time to time what it is we believe and why we believe it. Otherwise, we find ourselves just doing the same old thing and coming and just offering lip service to God and, it, and it's void of any meaning in our life. It's void of all relationship. So and when it comes to worship, this morning we're gonna, we're gonna really look at what it is to worship in a corporate setting, and we know that worship is many things. Uh, we uh, and that we were created to worship. Did you know that God created you to worship, and specifically, God created you to worship Him? But as you and I know, many times we don't do what we were created to do. We worship other things. For some of us, we worship our job. We worship money or material things. We worship people in our lives. We, we, we worship position. We worship our kids. And I know none of you here today are, are bowing down before your children and saying whatever you wish, master. Hopefully you're done. If you are, then we will pray for you. But worship, as best as I, I found it defined is in this way because it makes a little more sense, is worship is, is that which captures our attention. Worship is that which captures our attention, that which holds your heart. That which is your your mind and your heart and all of your attention and affection is focused on. That's what worship is. And there's this, the Greek word in the New Testament for worship is proskuneo. And it's got a very interesting definition. It means to kiss. But you think about the attention that comes in, in a kiss. But there's a second part to that definition that's, it's very interesting, and it's like a, a dog licking its master's hand. And that sounds weird. It sounds uh, like kind of de- degrading to us as humans, like God must think of us as like dogs, but that's not it at all. It's if you know dogs, if, you ha- if you've ever had a dog, you know how focused and fixed they can get on things. We used to have a dog, a golden doodle named Kevin, and he ha- we used to give him these cattle bones and he would just go to town, He'd get, and we called it the bone zone. He'd get in a bone zone, and he would just mouth on that thing until his gums would be bleeding. I'd have to take it away from him, or he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't know how to stop. Or you know how dogs find that little spot on the carpet where somebody spilled one, something at one point, and they'll lick it and, lick it and lick it and lick it and lick it and lick it, right? For a dog, their nose and their mouth are, are, are the main way in which they explore the world, experience the world around them. They have this, fix, uh, this, this, this fixation and this focus on, what, on this thing in front of them. And you and I were designed to worship God. We were created for it. And it's not because God is insecure about who he is. And it's not because God is some egomaniac in heaven who, who desires our flattery. But God knows that what we worship, we become like what we worship we become like what we worship. And that's why, like Pastor Drew talked about last week in John 4, Jesus says, a time has come when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. God is not looking for worship, he's looking for worshipers. Because worshipers are people who are changed from the inside. Worshipers are those who are transformed by the living God. So God desires that we We worship him because we know that we will be filled with more of him. One of my favorite quotes is by uh, the great evangelist Reinhard Bonnke in his book, Living a Life of Fire. It says this, The mystery to me is how the life-giving message of Jesus can become dead or how a fresh move of God can become stale, but it happens. The first step, I think, is when methods are enshrined and any new wind of the Spirit is resisted. Old ways are repeated without inspiration We've forgotten what, that the Lord seeks a living, growing relationship, and he resists being entombed in a method a building or an organization. We repeat things without even without inspiration, without any new revelation in our heart about what it means for our life, and it becomes void of any meaning. So this morning, I know we talked about last week, and we say this a lot, that worship is so much more than singing songs, that coming here on a Sunday, it's not a genre of music, but this morning, we're going to specifically focus on what it is to come here and why, why do we sing? Why do we raise our hands when we worship? Why do we lift up our voice? Why does somebody get up here and share? Why do we meet? Why, does it, why is it necessarily? Why can't we just all meet in our own house? Or why can't we just all stay at our own home and watch it on TV to, at the same time? So we're going to talk about this, that this morning. I'm going to go through, I found the best way to do that is there's these these seven Hebrew words for praise in the Old Testament. And so, like anything in our Christian walk, we look to scripture to define what we do and why we do it, right? And so there's these seven Hebrew words for praise, and I found them to be very meaningful in my life because it really shows us why we do a lot of the things that we do. So we're gonna go, go through that, so just stick with me. I'm gonna move quickly, so it might be difficult to take notes, if you need my notes, I can give them to you later but they'll be on the screen behind us. The first word is this. In answering the question, why do we, why do we worship the way we do? Why do we do what we do? The first word is toda. Toda means it's an extension of the hand in adoration with palms cupped inward as to receive. It means to serve notice to your body that it's time to praise, that it's time to worship. Have you ever had to do something that you didn't feel like doing? The answer is yes, because we're all adults. Well, most of us are adults. But that's something we teach our kids, right? Whether you feel like it or not is really irrelevant. You just do, do things in life because you know it's good for you. I've heard that there's people in this world that work out. And I know that there's a lot of times that people will go and work out and they don't feel like it. But at the end of working out, they, f- they feel so much better about themselves and feel s- so invigorated by it i think that would be great but every day there's there's things that we do in this life that that we know we need to do because it's good for us when we lift our hands in praise when we lift our worship, our hands of worship we say it's time now it's time to engage in worship this also includes a, an attitude of gratefulness for god's promised help even when we're still in need Toda refers to inviting God's help with faith and assurance that breakthrough is coming. This idea that God, I'm worshiping you even though I'm still waiting on my breakthrough. God, I've asked you for my help and I'm gonna worship while I wait. Psalm 50, verse 23 says, whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who offers his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Number two, yadah, yadah. Yadah is the throwing out of the hand and strength with palms turned outward. It signifies the surrendering of oneself. It speaks of covenant relationship. It speaks of throwing off the old things, throwing off anything that hinders and throwing yourself wholly into the things of God, into the heart of God. It says, God, no matter what happens in this life, I am surrendered to you. No matter what's going on, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. God, I'm gonna worship you. I'm in a relationship with you. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna serve you. Psalm forty-seven, seventeen says, I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, the people shall praise you forever and ever. We raise our hand as an act of surrender. Number three is halal. It means to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish, essentially to go nuts for God. It's, the root word for hollow, it's a root for hallelujah, which is Hebrew word for praise the Lord. It, it means like it, you don't care how silly you look. I'm not a dancer. If you see me dance, man, something is really going on. Something is really, I'm being moved. It means you don't care what anybody else thinks. It's like David, when the Ark of the Covenant was coming back to Israel, they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which, is, which was, uh, signified the, the presence of God coming back to Israel. And he starts dancing. He's a king, and he starts dancing like crazy. And the people around him said, David, you're the king. This is very undignified. And he said, I will become even more undignified than this. It's saying, God, you are the most important thing, and I don't care what I look like. I don't, know, I don't care what I sound like. I'm going to praise, I am going to worship. In Psalm 150. One through five, it says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent great, greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and the flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him, praise him with the clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They say, God, I'm leaving everything behind, and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. are what my attention is focused on, and it doesn't matter what I look like. Number four is zamar. It means to be clamorously joyful or even foolish on a stringed instrument. You might think of that when I look, play guitar. It speaks of involving every available instrument to make music in harmony before the Lord. Every way in which we we can worship God, we should worship God. We'll talk a little bit later why we sing corporately together, but it speaks of using your creative, the the creativity that God's giving you to worship him. Everything that's available to us to worship. In Psalm 108, it says, oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise with my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I praise you, O Lord, among all the peoples, and I will sing praises to you among the nations. Samar. Number five It's Barak. It means to kneel, expecting to receive with humility and boldness. It speaks of coming to God with expectancy and faith. There's a humility that we come before the Lord and we, we recognize who we are in him. That he is king. He is King Jesus. But he's also our father and we're sons and daughters. And so we come before him with humility in our hearts, but boldly knowing that we can ask a God who is so good for anything. And we can come before him and say, God, you are my only source. There's nothing else. It's only you, Jesus. You are my source. You are the the thing that sustains me. We call out for help. But there's this great expectancy and faith that comes with coming before the Lord. Psalm 72 verse 15 says, prayer will also be made for him continually. And daily he shall be praised. It's this idea of daily coming before the Lord. And he's our daily bread. Still with me? Good, half of us are here, sweet. Number six is uh, Tehillah, Tehillah. is to sing in the spirit, a residual overflow of the heart. This is the only type of worship that God promises to inhabit and guide us in. It refers to singing our praise or our worship. This is, it refers to singing off the script or off of the written page or off of the words on the screen. It's just the overflow of your heart. It also refers to when Jesus talks about, a couple weeks ago when we talked about the power of our words, that out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. That this is just the overflow of our heart where we, we just begin to sing out worship. We begin to sing out praise to the Lord. Those are the times of surface, in service when we say, just lift up your own voice, lift up your own song to the Lord. And God desires to hear what just comes out of our hearts, what comes out of our mouths before him. This is something that I do all the time throughout my day. I'm just singing and worshiping. It's not even a song. In Psalm 34, one, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. He shall continually be in my mouth. Whether I'm in my car, I'm just, I'm just singing, God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When I'm up late with my son and I'm rocking into bed, I just, I said, peace of God, peace of God over my boy. And I just start singing. In the, I, I sing over my son. I sing over my situations. In a couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about warfare worship and um, how there's actually, uh, there, there's many many scientific studies that talk about the benefits of worship, the benefits of singing. <laughs> and we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. This is an overflow of the heart. Number seven is Shabbat. This is to address in a loud tone. To triumph. Psalm 47, one says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Have you ever been at like a, a baseball game where they had a walk-off home run or like a, a football game where they had like a last second field goal to win the game and we all go crazy? I mean, I do. I'm just like, are you kidding me? That was amazing. And we all lift our voices and we all shout because it was awesome and it's fun and we should do that. It would be weird to, to have this, this guy kick a 60-yard field goal and we're all like, this is this is pleasing (laughs) that would be weird right we go crazy because it's fun it's really really neat but how much more if we if this is truly a reality in our life that God has come that God has made himself available to us and that he's transformed the inner being the inner fiber of who I am how much more should I lift my voice to him that I should say today is my day of victory we praise him with a loud voice. That's, there's times in our services where we lift our voices before him. We say, God, there's no other answer but you, Jesus. And today I have victory in you. Many times in the Bible, a lot of times in the Bible, when it talks about praise, when it talks about worship, it talks about singing, it talks about playing instruments. Music is an important part of what we do. It's not all we do. Um, there's other, many, many other aspects of worship which we'll talk about. But specifically, why, would we, why we do what we do and how we do it. And you could say, well, I can do all those things by myself, and you absolutely can. But there's a, such a power that comes when we come together. So we might think this morning, why, well, why do I need to gather everything you described I can do by myself? When Colossians chapter three Paul talks, he speaks of this great unity that happens. In verse 15, it says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called to one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. He says, we were called to one body. Whether we like it or not, we were called to one body. We're not, we're not called to live this life alone, to be separated from one another. We are called to be one body, so we are one body. And so he says, when you gather together, when you're, to, when you're with one another, encourage each other uh, in wisdom and teaching and admonishing, that's why, that's why somebody gets up and shares something. We're unified by the word that's shared. We're all brought together into this place. He says in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, there's a great unification that ha- happens. It's not a uniformity, it's a unification that happens. That people from all over this wor- world, represented in this place, can come together under the banner of Jesus and lift up one sound before Him. It's a beautiful thing. And so there's a, a unity in voice that happens. From my vantage point in the mornings that I lead worship, it's a beautiful thing those times where the music gets quiet and it's just you hear the voices singing oh great are you Lord, great are you Lord. It's a beautiful thing because I love hearing one sound and we're all singing the same song but for different reasons. I sing oh praise the Lord who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. And I'm singing it because God has delivered me. God's redeemed my life. I was lost, dead, addicted to drugs, and Jesus transformed me. For some of you in this place, you're singing because Jesus heals you. Or God's redeeming you right now. He's restoring your life right now. For whatever it is, we all have different situations in life and we're all worshiping God from different situations, from different perspectives. And we come together and we make this beautiful sound that, that, that God loves to hear. There's a unity it's a powerful thing to hear the body of Christ declare the truth of God over ourselves, over each other, over our situations, over this region. And this body, even this morning, we have a unique voice that we'll never have again. Never, like I love this illustration that Pastor Drew gives often and it's that that never again in the history of this church will the same exact people be gathered here this morning like there are this morning. So there's a unique a unique voice that we offer to the Lord this morning in our worship that will never happen again in the history of the universe. It's a beautiful thing. And because we are one body, we lay down our personal preferences for the good of, of one another, for the good of, good of the whole. We all have... A, I've led worship for many, many years, and one thing people have many opinions about is music and the styles of music that they have. And you know, all week long, you can worship to whatever kind of music you want to worship to. If you, there, you know there's heavy metal worship out there? If you want to listen to heavy metal worship, you go to town in your car or shut the door and make sure the sound doesn't exit the room. Whatever it is, if you want to listen to the Gaithers, if you want to worship that way, if you want to listen to Chris Tomlin or the radio, whatever it is, all week long, you have the opportunity to worship however you want. But then we come together in this place, and as a family of God, we lay aside our personal preferences, and we declare the truth of God in one voice. So this morning, if you're here today, and like we sang that hymn, Jesus Paid It All, if there's something in you that says, I can't worship to a hymn. If you can't worship to a hymn, that's a you problem. There's a heart issue that needs to happen that you need to deal with with, with the Lord, that you need to take and say, God, change, change this in me. If you're here in this place and you say, I can't really worship to this contemporary music, a, I, don't, I don't like it, that's a you problem. There's something in your heart. If we're proclaiming the truth of God in song, it doesn't matter what it sounds, it doesn't matter the style right we lay down our personal preferences for the good of one another so we can lift up one unified sound before the lord i'll stop grinding my axe now you with me good second thing is this is there's a unity in experience Have you ever had a you-missed-it moment? Like, you usually tag along with your friends or a group of people to s- something, but you s- decided to stay home, and something happened, and you're like, I can't believe I missed that. can't believe I missed that. One time, my friend and I went to a Minnesota Twins game, and we got up in the fifth inning. We had really great seats right on the first baseline. We got up in the fifth inning to go get some cheese curds. <laughs> Obviously, you've never had cheese curds at a Minnesota Twins game, or you wouldn't be laughing. <laughs> And uh, we're sitting there watching the screen, and we have this great seats, and we see a, f- a, f- a foul ball, and we see this right fielder running, and he dives over the, the rail and catches the ball, right, in two empty seats. And I go, are you kidding me? And we get back to our seats, and they're like, everybody around us is like, where were you? That would have been right in your lap. And I'm like, ah, cheese curds, <laughs> you know? Can't believe it, ah. But you miss out when you're not here. This isn't an indictment on anybody. I'm not, we're not taking attendance. <laughs> but we experience things together when we gather, right? And each one of us is a walking testimony. You know, we've only been here uh, six months. And already I can look around this room and I can say, man, I was there when they got healed. I was there. I was there when that person gave their life to Jesus. When they decided that was the day that they were going to change their life. I was there and each one of us we get to experience that and we, we and when we're not there we miss out on that. I was talking with Dave Thompson, one of our trustees this week and he was gone last week and he could have been gone again this week but he's like I just can't miss I just I, I hate it when I'm not there. <laughs> I just love being there. That's how I feel too. When we're not here it's like man, I don't want to miss out on something that great that God is going to do among us. We get to experience when each one of us come into this place and we have the celebrations when a baby is born, when there's a marriage, when, when, when somebody gets a promotion, whatever it is, and we celebrate with, together with one another. When tragedy, when someone loses a family member, when one of us is going through struggles, when somebody loses their job, we come together and we, we, bond, we bind together in that struggle to encourage. We are a family We are a family. It's one of our core values that we we really view this as a family, and it's not just some trite saying that we say to feel good about ourselves. We really believe in this thing that God has made us to be a family, that you can count on one another. That when the world is difficult, you're surrounded by a group of people that says, "No matter what, I'm going to bind with you. I'm going to. We're going to make it." There's a unity in experience together. The last thing is this: there's a unity in mission. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. He says, Don't stop meeting together. Store up love and good works among each other. You know, there's this propensity as, as, as human beings to wander, We're prone to distraction. Things happen throughout the week. And we forget, how quickly we forget why we were born, why we were born. And we come and we gather in this place and we we look around at those running this race with us. We say, this is why I was put on this planet, to burn for you, Jesus. To burn for you, Jesus. And out of that relationship, I'm activated in this life to go and change the world. But How easy we become distracted. How easily we turn away. That's why it's important we come together. And Pastor Drew gets up and encourages us and we say, oh, yeah. Or we have those moments where God points to certain things in our life and says, this is something that's in your life and it's, I want to take it out. I want to change it. I want to replace it. And we just say, God, I, I just want to, sur- I'm going to surrender my life to you again today. God, set me on fire for you. Let me to burn for you, Jesus. That's just been my, my prayer. The last month is every morning, God, I just want to burn for you. I want to burn, God, light a fire in my heart that never goes out, that never goes out. I once talked to a student who was 19 years old. And he said, man, worship, I just get really bored in worship services. And when I read about heaven, he's like, it just seems like heaven's gonna be really boring because we're just gonna sit around worshiping the Lord. And I say, man, you don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're saying. Because when we see him, one day when we see him, Man, the only response that we have is to fall down on our face and to worship him and say, God, you are so good. You are so holy. You are so perfect. You are so perfect. You are so perfect. There's no one like you. There's no one that's even close that compares to you. You are so perfect. What other response would we have but to worship? So when we come together, man, it's a beautiful thing that unifies us. A.W. Tozer says this in the pursuit of God. He says, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other? They are in one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard by which each one must individually bow. So that 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their, way, their eyes away from God and strive for closer fellowship. We become closer. We become more unified when we lift up one voice before the Lord. Amen? That's why it's important that we come and we meet together on a weekly basis and even more often than that. Now, worship is so much more than that. In the coming weeks, we're gonna uncover that. Next week, Pastor Drew's gonna talk about personal worship and then I'm gonna talk about warfare worship in the week after that. I think God is really... Stirring up a a new culture of worship among us that is going to lead the way into changing this city. Because worship goes out before before it prepares the way for the word. Worship prepares the way for the word so that when the word is spoken, it's spoken to tender hearts with good soil, that it could go down deep and take good roots. Amen, would you stand across this place? I appreciate you sticking with me today. I know it's more of a teaching message. Paige is gonna, and the team is gonna lead us in that song. Jesus paid it all. Oh, praise the one. And I want you just, whatever whatever reason you're singing that song, I want you to think about it. We sing those words, oh, praise the one who paid my debt. He paid a debt that I, we couldn't pay. He washed us, he cleansed us, he's transforming us. And as we lift up that song in this place, man, I just believe that, that this is gonna be a pleasing sound to God's ear. Before we do that, I wanna take a moment, anytime we gather the opportunity to allow anybody who doesn't know Jesus to, to make a, a decision for him. So I wanna ask a question, And in response to that question, I'm gonna ask that you raise your hand and it's not to embarrass you or call you out, but I wanna pray for you and I wanna know who I'm praying for. That if you're here this morning, maybe you were like, like I was when I was 20 years old. You're far away from God. You're living for yourself. And you don't know Jesus and you need to give your life to Jesus. Or maybe you have had a relationship with the Lord, but it's just grown cold and stagnant and you need to get your, give your, get your life right with the Lord today. If that's you, would you just put a hand up? I want to I pray for you. Thank you, thank you. Is there anybody else? You can put your hands down. If you just raise your hand, I'm gonna say a prayer, and I want you to say a prayer like this in your own heart. God's not looking for the perfect set of words, He's looking for your heart. Okay? So as I as I pray a prayer, just pray one similar in your own heart. This is a big decision, this is not a flippant thing. God, today I give you my life. God, I give you it all, I give you access to all that I am. God, to the past. To the broken places in me to the trophies the things that i keep for only me god i give you access to all of it and right now i just submit i surrender my life to you jesus i surrender surrender every part of who i am to you i thank you for blood that was shed for me for my sins so now i just repent i turn from seeking after and pursuing the things of this world and now i pursue you jesus I pursue you. Now I start running after you, God. I throw all those things off and now I I run towards you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just come now to fill and overflow in Jesus' name. God, redeem those things that were lost. Change and transform a heart that the world would want to throw away, but you said you are precious to me. You are valuable to me. God, today is a new day For those who raise their hand today is the first day of their life. And we thank you. Jesus' name. Would you give it a a hand for those who give their life to Jesus' name? It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Things will not just change overnight but God is starting to transform and change your heart. And so if you gave your life to the Lord this morning, I, want, I encourage you to come talk to me or Pastor Drew or or come get prayer from the prayer team. Just talk to somebody about it. Um, the minute that we open up our mouth and, and talk to somebody about the things going on in our life, it becomes more real. And so make sure you do that. Let's just pray this morning. Paige is going to lead us. God, we just want to be known, not just for people, people that give you worship, but we want to be worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth God that when we lift up our voices in one voice God it's a sweet sound into your ear God that you stop everything that you're doing to listen to the worship that's taking place at LifePoint, God that when we come and we celebrate God what you've done and what you're doing among us and recognize that there's still so much more that you want to do so we come, Lord, with this faith and with this expectancy, God. We ask for help, and we worship when we're waiting for the breakthrough. And, God, there's so much more that we're contending for, but we're going to be people that contend in our hearts to be worshipers, to be worshipers, to be you. God, no matter where we are, whether we're in our car, whether we're in our job, whether we're in our room, whether we're here among one another, God, that we will worship. We will love you, God. We will pour out everything that's available to us in our worship in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.